You're now listening to J House Podcast Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. J House at www.jhousecomics.com. What's up, Evan? What up, bro? Man, what is up, my friend? Nothing much with me. Not with uh, you know, not with uh Auburn per se. I'm happy Denver got the win in in, in NFL <laughs> terms. I'm glad we beat the Patriots, but I mean, other than that, there's like nothing. <laughs> hey, that was a good win for Broncos. That was a good win. I heard there's some people trying to discredit that win, saying, oh, but Cam couldn't practice for blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. This is professional football. There are no excuses. Denver Denver was the better team. Yeah. As somebody who can't stand Cam Newton, I enjoyed it too. I'm not going to – I mean, that that was a fun game for both of us. Um, It was. And, and, you know, but believe it or not, I, I actually well, – we'll talk about this later. I actually am feeling really bad for Auburn fans right now. I'm not even – not even though I'm a Bama fan, I'm not on here to troll Auburn today. You will hear no trolling from me about Auburn. I respect that. Not. I appreciate that. Because, honestly, all, all I'm going to say is this. There's nothing negative that I can say about Auburn right now that you haven't heard of or thought of a thousand times. Right. So I'm not a, I'm not about to be on the phone and beat a dead horse. Yeah. As I'm just not going to do it. It's not fun to beat a dead horse. Uh, not but right. I will be trolling another fan base today. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. <laughs> Um, they, really, they really thought they were going to win, Eric. They, they really thought that. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Whatsoever are we going to do? Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. So that's the subject for the, for the first part of today is, is talking about what went down in T-Town this Saturday. Yeah, uh, but, but very quickly, Eric, I just want to get your initial reaction and your thoughts on what happened on Saturday. Did it surprise you? Did you see this coming or, you know, wh- what what was going through your mind watching that game? OK, first, first of all, let me establish this for my Auburn fans. This is real talk. This is what it is. Number two. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. You guys are straight morons. Better yet, let's just like the whole state of Georgia, football wise and everything. Oh, Atlanta. Oh, 
baseball too, the Atlanta Braves. You guys can't hold a lead to save your lives. Not your football team, not your baseball team. You guys just suck. Like, so, so like, no, I'm not surprised at this at all because number one, you know, Nick did, Nick Saban did test positive for COVID. Okay. And, you know, the, he tested three straight negative tests after that and was cleared. So, of course, when Nick Saban's coming over there, you know, you're effed because he's going to be on the sideline. Even if he wasn't on the sideline, don't think that this, this wouldn't have went the same way. But, Nick Saban being there guaranteed that it was going to go the way it went. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I'm not surprised. Georgia's not top tier. Georgia's not elite. They've never been elite, you know, coming from an Auburn fan who just hates their guts because now they want to act like they're hot stuff since they beat us. Okay, so what? Your most terrible losses came with with the uh, miracle at Jordan Hare. You know, so what? We embarrassed you guys. And, like, go on. But now they want to act like they're top-tier elite national championship-level football, uh, like they're a national football team like that. They're not. Nor will they – they never will be. They're, they're not. Georgia's never been about that. Georgia's like – Georgia is what – Georgia – well, Alabama. Alabama is what Georgia wishes they could be, but they never will be. All, <laughs> like – we have our own identity as a football team, and we would rather go out that way. That's why we call it Tiger Pride. But never have we ever been that sort of team to try to, like, be somebody. Like, Alabama's just who Georgia wishes they could be, and they never will be. I despise Georgia. I loathe Georgia. And aside from Alabama being our longtime rivals, Georgia, I actually – I never thought I'd say this. Alabama fans may be obnoxious you know what I'm saying? But that's something that's been in the rivalry for centuries. I mean, for years, you can get over that. You know, and I, I have Alabama fans that I respect, like you and others. You know what I'm saying? And I respect the coaching staff and the players. They've earned that. You know, but Georgia? Georgia's like the cockroach that you just can't kill. The fly that you just can't get out of the house. That's swarming around all the food because they want to get in it. And they just annoy the heck out of you. That's who Georgia is to me. So, no, I'm not surprised at all that this happened. This is Alabama football. Like, no, just no. Hmm. No. <laughs> I love everything you just said because, I mean, you, you echoed my biggest point, which is Alabama is exactly what Georgia sees themselves as. The problem is – there's this little thing called rings that you have to win before you can start talking about Bama. Right. So Georgia, go get one of those and then call me. Don't call me before then. Now here's my biggest problem with Georgia fans before I answer my own question. I don't talk shit before games. I've never heard about that. Before games, I normally keep to myself. I'm like, I'm not about to – jinx anything i'm not gonna predict wins and guarantee shit whatever but oh um, and, and you know what let me say this too i don't even have a problem with teams being fans being confident that your team's gonna win if you've got that good feeling like oh yeah we got this we're gonna get the win okay that's cool too i can even get down with that but what i can't stand is punk ass georgia fans <laughs> adding me 
saying the dynasty's over. It's over. It's over. If I have to hear one more fucking person say the dynasty's over, I'm going to laugh my ass off because I've heard it over and over again. And listen, this is to all the Bama haters. I get it. I get it. It's not fun. It's not fun when the same team is in the playoffs year in and year out. You're sick of Nick Saban. You hate seeing them. You hate seeing Alabama raise that trophy. You hate. I get it. It's annoying. I get it. I get it. But, damn it, y'all about to start putting respect on Bama's name. And let me tell y'all something. This is the sad truth. And y'all can go ahead and choke on this pill all you want. Y'all can choke on it. As long as Coach Saban is at Alabama, nothing's going to change. We may not win the Natty every year, as Dabo likes to call it. We may not win the national title every year. But you bet your last damn dollar we're going to be in the conversation You every year. Every year. Yeah. So miss me with all this, the dynasty's over bullshit. You know why I knew Bama was going to win, Eric? I'm going to tell you why. In the words of Stephen A., I'm going to tell you why. A lot of Bama fans were citing 2017 and 2018 as why Bama was going to win. No. Right. I didn't didn't get 2017, 2018 vibes. You know what I did get? I got 2015 vibes. For anybody who doesn't remember how 2015 went down, it went down like this. Ole Miss comes to Alabama with Chad Kelly, Swag Kelly, in which we now know that whole team was nothing but a bunch of cheaters, which is why they got suspended from bowl games and Hugh Freeze got fired, but that's neither here nor there. Right. Ole Miss comes to Tuscaloosa, and they pull off a humongous upset, beating Alabama. I was shocked. I don't think I've ever watched a Bama game and been that shocked. Because yeah. it's, it's a team that I really thought we'd beat. But it didn't happen. And I think they scored like 48 points, something stupid. Like it was – Bama's defense was non-existent in that game. It was pitiful. Yeah, they've been non-existent a lot, man. Yeah, and I, I, that game's over, and I heard it for the whole week. Dynasty's over. Bama will never win another national championship. They've got to go to Athens next week. And George is going to be that final nail in the coffin. Well, y'all remember what happened in 2015? Remember what Bama did? Bama went to Athens, beat them 38-10, to and left. Held them to three points until there was five minutes left in the game. In other words, Alabama got sick of hearing that shit and went to Athens and shut some people up. Because that's what Bama does, and they did it again. Georgia, how many times must you get the same lesson? How many times does it does Alabama have to kick your ass or break your heart before you just say it? Just say it. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We could yeah. be one day, maybe, but you're not there. You're not there, right. Georgia. And I love it that I'm the one to tell you. I want to be the one to tell you. I tried to warn the Georgia fans what was going to happen. Because I'm a nice guy, Eric. I like to think I'm nice. And I tried to tell them. I said, guys, don't get your hopes up. It's not happening. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Our defense, our defense, our defense. 
Yeah, well, right. your offense, you jag off. Yeah. It, it what I, I couldn't find it the whole second half. Did you see it, Eric? I couldn't find it. No. I must and, have and, Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I, I was going to say this. Like, through all these years that we've observed college football, particularly the SEC West, even though Alabama's had an elite defense for most of that time, even if their defense fell off, what made you? What made people think that their offense wouldn't be just as efficient? Like, what made them think that if the defense couldn't get it done, the offense wasn't? You know what I'm saying? Mac Jones stats for 2019. You know, 97 completions, 141 attempts, had a 68 uh, 68% completion rating, or 1,503 yards, 14 touchdowns, and three interceptions. This year. He's faster than that at a 90% completion uh, on 115 attempts so far, but 12 touchdowns and two interceptions, which means the offense is winning games for Alabama, even if the defense doesn't. That boy's already almost halfway through from where he was last season. Plus, you got Najee Harris, and I'm like, you know, well, dang, like, what did, what did people think? I mean, because, you, like you said, the defense was not – I ain't seen no Georgia defense out there. They're saying Mac Jones has deep ball threat ability, and, and the wide receivers, they say that they don't consider those balls 50-50 balls that he's throwing, even though they look 50-50. They're like, no, we're mossing those. Those are ours all the way. So, you know, and people can say what they want about that. You know, and, you know, Nick Saban's going to get that right. Nick Saban's gonna get his gonna get his defense right. That's gonna be adjusted because you know it's Nick freaking Saban. Like, come on, bro. And on and and on that note, like I said, if their defense isn't gonna get it done, there's two sides of the football. It's not just defense. There's an offense too. And Mac Jones is starting to look a lot like you know not not because I don't know much about a Alabama QBs, but I'm like I just know whoever's in that system you know, is going to be successful. They're going to be put in a position to succeed and be very successful with that O-line and with those receiver weapons at Alabama. A.J. McCarron was, you know what I'm saying? There were others. Greg McElroy was. People are going to be successful, and the offense is going to be efficient enough to stay competitive and get it done. So, like, if you thought Alabama was just this defensive team, you're wrong. Oh, yeah. You're wrong. So, I mean – it is what it is. And you know what? I'm, I'm actually going to stop the trolling there uh, because, you know, Georgia fans right now, look, the, the state of Georgia is going through a lot because <laughs> the, the whole state, man, really, because think about this. In the span of one week, seven days, your precious Georgia Bulldogs, once again, and I'm going to start calling them, they're not the Georgia Bulldogs. It's the Georgia Propaganda. Because that's what they sell. It's propaganda. And every single player and the coaching staff ought to be ashamed of themselves for making their fans believe they had a chance. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Because this is the third time in a row they've done this to their fans. It's the third time they've played Bama. And Coach Saban says, Coach Saban said in 2017, he said, all right, Georgia, I'll spot you 13 points going into the second half. I'll spot you that. You know, yeah. and then in 2018, I'll spot you seven. And then uh, last Saturday, I'll spot you four points. And then in the second half, right on schedule, 
here came the tide rolling, and the dogs couldn't swim again. So, I mean, Georgia choked, and the sky's still blue. This is what they do. This is who they are. Now, to end the trolling, um, a, a serious football reaction to what happened. And, and this is the sad reality for Kirby Smart. And this is just, this is, I don't see how I'm wrong on this. Kirby Smart is not going to win a national championship at Georgia if he keeps running this team the way he's been running it. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is Kirby is attempting to win national championships the same way that Coach Saban won them in 2009, 11, and 12. Because if you remember, those Alabama teams were characterized by phenomenal defenses, monsters on the defense, phenomenal wide receivers, a beast at running back, and a, and a game-managing quarterback. Because, you know, as much as right. I like Greg and as much as I like A.J. McCarron, they're not necessarily extremely talented. They didn't really jump off the page at you. A.J. and Greg were guys where, you know, you put them in a game with a talented team, they won't lose the game for you. That's a game manager. Right. They'll make some plays, but they're not playmakers. Um, yeah. And that's what Kirby's trying to do. But here's the problem. We are in an age of college football where the game managing average Joe winning a national championship, it doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't work. You have to have a playmaker. Look at the last four quarterbacks that won national championships. And, Eric, you tell me if game manager – I'm, I'm going to go through the list. You tell me if you would describe any of these quarterbacks as a game manager or playmaking superstar. Ready? Deshaun yeah. Watson. Playmaker, game manager. A playmaking superstar. Yep. Tua Tagovailoa, game manager or superstar? Game manager and superstar. He's been under the tutelage of Ryan Fitzpatrick at Miami, and he's getting to get his first start this upcoming Sunday. So they're ready to test out their franchise. Game, uh, game, game manager, superstar. Yeah, just a superstar, really. Uh, tr- uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, superstar. Absolute playmaker. Superstar. Absolute baller. Joe Burrow. Baller. Absolute ball. You see, none of those guys I just mentioned were average quarterbacks. You wouldn't describe Deshaun, uh, Tua, Trevor, or Joe as average. They were all extraordinary talents at quarterback, and that's what it takes now. And here's what's really sad for Georgia, and this is where Kirby Smart has got to do some explaining because Georgia – You hate hearing this, but I'm going to say it again. Your national championship hopes are currently in Columbus, Ohio, playing quarterback for Ohio State. That was your national championship hope in Justin Fields, and you let him go. That was one of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen a coach make. 
because yeah. I don't know of anybody who would argue that Jake Fromm is better than Justin Fields. Jake hey, Jacob no. Eason, maybe. No. But even then, it's close. Like, you know, Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm, you can argue back and forth. There's no argument. There is nothing that Jake Fromm can do that Justin Fields can't do better. And you let him go. And now, even yeah. this year, people are questioning um, Kirby Smart's decisions with quarterback because you had – what was his name? Dewan Mathis, I think was the guy's name. All right. He yeah. starts for against Arkansas, gets yanked after four right. series. Stetson Bennett comes in, has one good game. He has not had yeah. a great game since then. He has not looked like that same quarterback. And also, we've learned this. Arkansas is a lot better than we thought they would be. They, they, Yeah, they've obviously, like, I would, I would go so far as to say this, even though their record, I don't know what their record is right now, but, like, they have, at least they have more heart than we do. Well, yeah, you, like you know, I said, man, you know I'm never a guy to blame the refs for a loss, but no, but I even 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 if that call was wrong, we didn't deserve but, to win it. I'll 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 drop my sack on that, and I have the I have the guts to say I, that even if that by that call we did we still didn't. I, deserve I was about to say because I'll be damned if that wasn't a backwards pass fumble. I mean, I don't know how that wasn't called that way, but. My whole point right. with that is, if you're Auburn, the game should have never come down to that. But we're going to talk about Gus Malzahn later, because um, I haven't I haven't yeah. heard too many Auburn. Because I'm gonna be honest, I've been reading the Auburn Facebook. I'm not commenting on anything because I'm not trying to argue with people. Just observing. Yeah, yeah I'm, you're I'm just not observing. Trying to piss off nobody. I could I could right. troll, but right now it's just too easy. Um, but I'm reading. Nobody's clamoring for Malzahn to keep his job. But we're going to talk about that later. But back on Kirby, you yank a quarterback after four possessions, and he never sees the field again. Stetson Bennett, I think, showed the world who he really is against Alabama. He had two really good passes for touchdowns. Two. One of them was a broken coverage play uh, that resulted in an 80-yard touchdown. But that second half, good God, did he look ter- terrible. Right. That last yeah. interception he threw, Eric, I don't know. I mean, I- I've-, I've watched that play probably 10 times, and I still don't know who he thought he was throwing to. I. I still don't know. Yeah. And then, once again, on the sideline, Kirby has a five-star recruit in JT Daniels who has not – he was cleared to play a uh, week before last when Georgia played, I think it was uh, Tennessee. He was cleared to play that game. He's a five-star recruit, yeah. and he's sitting the bench. Stetson Bennett was not – I don't even think he was a four-star recruit. And so, my whole thing with Kirby is, dude, when are you going to learn? 
Because right now, Georgia is in the same boat that LSU was in from 2011 to 2018. Through that time span, LSU was a damn good team. They had great running backs, great uh, wide receivers, and a great defense. They were they were consistently right. a ten or eleven win team, which is great. That's a great season. But what was the problem? Why yeah. were LSU fans getting fed up? They could not get over that last hump to become a real championship contender. They kept running into Alabama, and that was like. When are we going to wait? We're clearly not going to beat them this way. So what did LSU do? They bring in Joe Brady. They completely changed their offense. And look what happened. I mean, good, good God. They were unbeatable last year. And, you know, I'm looking at Georgia and I'm thinking to myself, Kirby Smart is arguably the best recruiter in all of college football. You look at his recruiting classes. He's like number – he's top three every year, every year. And you think you've got all that talent, and you still can't get it done. So, I mean, I think at this point it's got to be abundantly clear. Kirby, you're not winning a national championship with a Jake Fromm or a Stetson Bennett. I mean – and you look back at that 2017 Georgia team, Eric, look at all the talent on that team. There's household NFL players that were on that team. There were two running backs on that team that got taken in the first round, Chubbs and Michelle. They had both their receivers yeah. were drafted in the first three rounds. They had a defensive player you might have heard of named Roquan Smith, who's balling. Yeah, and they couldn't get it done with that team, and I'm like, that's by far yeah. the most talented team Georgia has had, and they couldn't get it done. But see, that's the difference in a guy like Kirby and a guy like Saban. Saban in 2013, after the kick six and then the loss to Oklahoma, he realized, I'm never going to win a national championship again if I keep running this team the way I'm doing it. So what did he do? He brings in Lane Kiffin. They open up the offense, totally new look for Alabama. And then two years later, 2015 national champions. So I don't understand why Kirby can't get that through his head. But you know what? Frankly, I'm glad he doesn't because now I get to delight in Georgia misery. Right. And I respect that. I respect that. If you, if you can't, as a coach, make the necessary changes, then you know you got to get someone who will get some get some you know help, and because you're not going to win a national championship if you don't have those different parts. A lot of the success that happens in the NFL ends up happening because head coaches have these great coaches around them who are great at other positions, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And then those guys end up spinning off to go get their own, uh, be the head coach of their own NFL team or, you know, whatever the case may be. So a lot of good can come from that sort of, um, a lot of good can come from that sort of thing. Um, 
sometimes I wish a certain coach that I knew would do the same thing because, you know, we could use that right now. But, um, but yeah, man, I definitely feel you on that. But we're about – it's uh, 27 minutes at the hour. We got like three minutes left before we go on commercial break for just a few seconds. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I totally feel you on that, bro. It's just like <sighs> – Georgia. It is, it is like – and, like, I feel bad for, like, the whole state I- right now. Like, I feel, <laughs> like, on every level of post- – like, like, bro, like, these people, like, Atlanta Falcons, like, they're not the same. They keep blowing leads. Dan Quinn got fired. The GM got fired. Arthur Blanks had enough of that. You know, they're done. And then the Atlanta Braves, your baseball team, just had a 3-1 lead on the Dodgers, and then they blow that. You know, so, like, dude, it like nothing, nothing is going right for Georgia at all in any fat in any uh way, shape, or form. It's just not I happening for him. I'm not, I'm not mad at all. Like, I, and, and you know, Georgia fans, y'all got to take some responsibility for this too, because once again, y'all fell for this bullshit that y'all had a chance. Y'all fell for it again. I don't know how many times you're going to keep falling for it, you know. And ESPN, they ought to be ashamed of themselves too because I didn't hear a single damn one of them pick Alabama to win. And you know what? I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't because I I enjoy people picking against Alabama eating crow. It, It truly is a beautiful sight for me. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> right that's crazy well it's uh seven thirty-three at the hour uh we've reached the 29 30 minute mark of the show we're gonna pause for a quick commercial break and we'll be back in about 10 seconds uh in a back in about one minute after this ad plays so uh listen to this work from our local sponsor anchor podcast and we'll be right back in a minute talking Auburn football and whatever quiet news is happening around pop, pop culture, movies, Marvel, and DC right now. So we'll be right back in just a moment. Here's your word. Uh, Hello, everyone. Welcome back to J House Podcast Radio. It is 7.36 p.m. at the hour here in Mobtown. Hope everyone's doing good on this Tuesday night. We're back. Uh, from commercial break and we were talking about Georgia football and because Evan had an epic troll epic troll rant to go on with these guys I hate Georgia too as well so it's no secret coming from an Auburn fan you know I, I people might be surprised I hate them more than I do Alabama fans sometimes I do I do and that's the truth of it I don't hate Alabama fan I don't hate Alabama football the rivalry is there, but the respect has definitely been earned. Am I going to talk my trash every year? Absolutely. I still have bragging rights from this year because we beat y'all last year. But this year, I can't talk any noise to anybody. Not the way we're playing. I just can't do it. So uh, we're back. And uh, Evan, take us away, bro. Resuming everything we were talking about with Georgia football sort of leading into Auburn football. Well, yeah, I was going to go ahead and, and get started with Auburn football because um... – I, I'm going to keep my promise with, with what I said earlier about not trolling Auburn fans on, on this one, only because, like I already said, it's it's beating a dead horse. Uh, but 
this is just my quick takeaway from Saturday, and then I'm going to pass it off to you because I'm sure you've got a lot of thoughts on the matter. Uh, Yeah. Because I take it you probably – see, I didn't get to watch the whole game. I watched the last about nine minutes of it uh, because this was a game I wasn't even going to watch because I just assumed that that Auburn – I mean, I'm not going to lie. I thought that – Surely to goodness, this would be a blowout. And then I look at my phone. I'm at my girlfriend's house. Uh, I look at my phone, and South Carolina's up 29-17 in the fourth quarter. I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. Got to be kidding me, right? Uh, but, you know, I watched uh, the last nine minutes, and it, it, that last drive Auburn went on, Bo Nix can't play like that. That was abysmal. That I went back and watched the highlights. Bo Nix is I, – I mean, I don't know what your opinion on him is, but I, I haven't been impressed by this kid all year. Uh, he hasn't done anything to impress me. Last year he had some sparks of brilliance. Yeah. Obviously against, you know, Alabama last year. Yeah, uh, he had he had some some good plays, uh, but I mean, I just this kid just doesn't seem like he's the one to get it done. But above that, the bigger issue I think Auburn's having, and this is why I think Auburn fans are so pissed right now, it's the same old, same old. Like th- this is Gus Malzahn being Gus Malzahn, and. Yeah. And and this isn't me trying. This is not me trying to troll. But we did a podcast a long time ago, where I broke down for you. I said, "Look, this wasn't the one we had like a week or so ago." Talking about Gus, this was a while back. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I remember. We, we were talking about our expectations for the season. Yeah, yeah. And I said, if history is any indication, Auburn will be mediocre, because Gus Malzahn has yet to have back-to-back good seasons. He comes in at 2013. You go to the national championship. You had the prayer and Jordan Hare and the kick six. Obviously, that was a, a, a very special season. Yeah, um, should have ended in a title, for real. Like, really. Damn. The 2014, eight and five. 2016, or uh, yeah, 2014, eight and five. 2015 uh, was another. Eight and five. 2016 was a seven and six. But then 2017, Auburn beats Alabama. And then this Joker gets this humongous contract, making him the sixth highest paid coach in the league. Right. Uh, and then in 2018, you know, we're right back to Auburn's trademark eight and five. We're right back there. Last year was a good season. I think Auburn finished, uh, what was it, nine and four? I believe so. I think, yeah, I believe so. Let me see. Let me double check. Well, yeah, it had to have been nine and four because they lost to to uh, LSU, Florida, Georgia, and Minnesota. Yeah, nine and four. Yep, that's right. Yeah, nine and, and four. And this season – Predictably, here we are, 
Auburn is two and two. But what's scary is Auburn could just as easily be one and three right now if that fumble was called a fumble. I think that's right. I think that's what's pissing off Auburn fans is that you know last year when Auburn lost to who who was their first loss LSU yeah LSU yeah it was LSU we came back for that and they yeah that yeah. was hard it, it was a three point loss to the best team in college football okay yeah. no biggie it's LSU you know you can't you know you can't beat up on your team for something like that all right well then came Florida and Auburn did not look good against Florida. That was a pretty bad-looking game. But then they, you know, they did some good things, lost to Georgia, turned around, beat Bama. Um, but <clears throat> this year, what's scaring Auburn fans, they haven't looked good in any of their games, not even against Kentucky. There were moments where it was like, Auburn, you should be beating them by more than this. You beat Kentucky 29-12, week two. You get ran off the field by Georgia, week three. Another, you know, you beat Arkansas. Auburn didn't look good doing it, but they won. But it, it was on a fluke. It yeah. wasn't, yeah. And then Saturday, Auburn lost to a clearly inferior, from a talent perspective, South Carolina team. And so my over, I mean, <laughs> Let me just ask you this question because I, I'm I'm dying to hear this. What was your reaction to what happened Saturday with Auburn? Okay, so first of all, starting out, let me let me establish this. I wasn't even excited for the game, if that's any indication. I wasn't even hyped for the game, Dang. if that's any indication at all. Because the feeling that Auburn's been playing with, the heart, the ferocity the same like like last year. We played so aggressive, played so hard and so mean, you know, running into the end zone in the Iron Bowl, knocking the Alabama's players' head off, just wrecking people left and right, minus the losses we had, of course. But we had some heart. There is none of that on that team. You have reports of the team sitting down on the bench being quiet during the game at South Carolina. I was in the barbershop getting a haircut. Didn't even like, wasn't even planning on watching the game. I was going to give it a shot to see what Auburn was going to do to rebound. And we didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? The last few plays, the the turnovers, the big bombs on defense, like, bro. And I'm like, this can't be happening. We handed South Carolina their first win against us since they joined the SEC in 1933. That's the wheat, bro. South Carolina hasn't beaten us in ages, and we just handed them their first win over us since the 1930s. That's a new Auburn low. It doesn't like it doesn't get any lower than that. Maybe losing to a non-conference team, like especially like a, a USA team or something like that, that would suck. But. This just – that's not normal for us. That doesn't happen. We don't lose that game. And so, you know, and and uh, I'm looking at the headlines. I'm looking at the headlines. Auburn has a lot of – according to Saturday Down South, Auburn has a lot of problems, but its biggest might be coaching. Uh, you know, so long, Gus. Auburn fans want to hire Hugh Freeze, possible former SEC coach. You know, so much, you know – 
you know, Bo Nix even, you know, Bo, like I just quoted, like we just quoted like uh, Mac Jones stats. Guys got had 14 total touchdowns already from last year. You know, this year he's already on pace to be, do even more than that. And it's so, not even halfway through the season yet. You know what I'm saying? Almost halfway. Bo Nix last year had two had 217 completions, 377 attempts, 57.6 completion percentage, 2,542 yards, and 16 touchdowns, six interceptions. I was skeptical about it at first, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But, you know, it was what it was. He proved me wrong against Oregon. I ate my crow. I'm like, okay, I was wrong on that. He, he did good. We got the win against Bama in the Iron Bowl. Didn't go up. And then we lost to Minnesota, which pissed me off in the bowl game. So I'm like, okay, now we're back to square one. I don't know what's going on here. So far, our offense has sucked. We're not being Auburn fast like our motto is, you know, and it shows five touchdowns, four interceptions. We don't have like, like, bro, I don't know what's going on here. And and to give you a little bit more perspective, just, just so I'm not crazy, tell me if I'm crazy, but I can swear to you that me and my brother, and I tell you this all the time, but here's a little different perspective. Me and my brother were, my brother had went to Auburn's football camp. After that, it was Auburn's A-Day game, that annual A-Day game that we always have. Me and my brother and my dad and my mom, we went for the first time. I got to see Jordan Air Stadium for the first time. It was a surreal experience, like so immersive as an Auburn fan, uh, day of a lifetime type thing. Yeah. Went in Jordan Hare Stadium, sat down, watched then watch the team run scrimmage on both offense and defense. Me and my brother are looking at the quarterbacks and, um, you know, we're, we're looking at our, our quarterbacks and one of them was Bo Nix. And the guy who I, I forgot, I forget his name. He was a Jew. I think he was a Juco transfer. Um, let me see. I, I forgot his name, but he was a Juco transfer. He had like this Nick Marshall type build, real dual threat kind of guy. Um, so me and me and my brother are automatically assuming, okay, hey, that guy looks like he might be it, you know, because that's where Auburn's success has been offensively for a long time. We know that we have great we have great defensive linemen. Our secondary, not always known for being the best, but our defensive line always has been top tier. Um, and I could have swore me and my brother, like, I don't think Bo Nick should like, I'm like, I don't know. It, that just doesn't look like the kind of offense we run. That doesn't look like how we do, but from a distance, it looked like, you know, Gus was trying to actually develop a quarterback straight out the gut for the first time, which we talked about previously. And I'm like, that's cool. But our success is normally with Juco quarterbacks who know how to, run the Auburn fast system who can run and throw, which Bo Nix can, but not like Nick Marshall did, not like Cam Newton did where we had major success. You know what I'm saying? That's where our success always was. So we've lost that quarterback now, by the way, that the backup guy, me and Ed got to meet him on the field. He was awesome. Um, we thought he was going to be the starter. We asked him. I went up to him like, dude, are you going to start? Like, dude, we think, like, you you look like the guy. Dude, like, was absolutely, like, awesome. But, you know, other than that, 
we knew something wasn't right. It was like this energy in the stadium. Everyone in the stadium, you know, just it felt like Gus knew that almost everyone in the stadium has had the conversation about having him fired at one point or another. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like I felt that kind of energy like when I went up to him and said War Eagle at the, at the signing table and he ignored me. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, he spoke to my little brother, of course, but he ignored me, didn't say anything to me. You know, and, may, and that's not personal because he talks to a lot of fans. I'm like, yeah, not to take it personal, but actually I kind of did. You know what I'm saying? Because I've been out here like busting my chops, getting burned all over social media, trying to defend you, getting into arguments with people over you to try to make a case for you. And then, you know, that's how you, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of took that personally, but I felt that energy come off him like, yeah, this is, you know, it's do or die. This, these next two seasons, you know what's up. It's either championship or bust. You, you know what it is. Beating Alabama is not enough. And I felt that energy from him. Like all the fans have talked about it at least one time or another about having him fired. And I felt that energy. I felt it. And so, you know, paying you about what, 30 something, 30 something million, you know what I'm saying? All that money. And all we can do is beat Alabama. 49 million. 49 freaking million. And no national championships to show for it. Like, where's our national championships? Now, if now, hey, if they keep him on and I'm wrong and we went, end up winning a national title within the next two years, then, okay, that's cool. But that time frame is closed up, if not already too late by now. You know what I'm saying? And so for all, like, this is not Auburn football. This is not how we play. We can't and, – and Auburn had, like you said, history does repeat itself. We have this bad habit. Like, after 2010, after the 2010 championship, Gene Chizik went right down the toilet. And we sunk to a record low. And then we had to fire him. Bought in Gus Malzahn, his head coach. We go to a national title, have some, some awesome plays, best college plays in the history of football. That will go down in the history of college football. And that's it. No national championship, no nothing. And so, the, and when I tell Auburn fans this, I'm like, this is the reality. It's no longer just about beating Alabama. Like, Alabama's a, Daniel, a daily annual rival game that I look forward to. But now, like, that's not even the most exciting game of the season anymore. Now it's about what can you do beyond Bama? You know what I'm saying? Because everybody already looks at you like as the, oh, y'all aren't, you know, y'all ain't nothing but a secondary, you know what I'm saying, a secondary team. And honestly, as an Auburn fan, I don't like that. So I'm like, okay, we got to stake our claim by winning national titles. You can't do that with only two national titles. You can't, you know. Um, Alabama has over like, what, 18, 19 verified national championships that actually count, like, a lot. So I'm like seven. Where's ours? Seventeen, huh? but I mean, who 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 counts those? I mean, come on. <laughs> you guys count those. <laughs> Horse crap! I just I was working last week and I had an Alabama fan come in and I screamed out War Eagle to him and they said, "But how many rings do you have, though? How many rings?" And I'm like, "How many?" Just how walk how to the many? just walk to the back of the kitchen because I'm like I can't say anything about that. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as being a Denver Broncos fan. 
even though we don't have that beef with the Patriots anymore because Tom Brady's gone, I don't have the same kind of hate that I had for the Patriots as before because Tom Brady, Tom Brady isn't there. But like Patriots, like how many Super Bowls do you guys have? How many? Okay, can't can't talk any noise to them. Can't do anything, you know. And that's just what it is today, bro. I want championships. I want rings. Every Auburn fan on social media is saying it. My closest friends who are Auburn fans are saying it. It's time to get Well, here's the deal. As an Auburn fan, if you want rings, you got one of two options. All right, I'm going to tell you what y'all can do. You ready? Here we go. You can either go to a a vending machine and get yourself some onion rings, or... If it's championship rings you're talking about, I've already told you, I've got a very nice, fresh out the washing machine, crimson and red shirt for you. Screw that. (laughs) That's, bro, screw that. I'll never put an Alabama jersey on. I will never do that. I will never, ever do that. Ever. That's just sick. That that was. That. That's sick, like bro. I've, I've tried. I've, I've given Alabama the respect they deserve, haven't I? Like, god dang. I'm sorry, like, bro. I'm, no, no, a serious question. Serious question. Serious question. Um, and this is kind of what I'm trying to get at now because you know we talked about Gus Malzahn. Uh, he was the subject of our whole podcast, and we were like, you know, does this guy need to go? Um, I mean, I didn't yeah. really read much into the loss against Georgia because I'm like, well, you know, it's Georgia. They're a good team. So, you know, maybe he can get a pass on that. But, I mean, you can't lose to South Carolina. You can't do that. And and I think what's bothering Auburn fans is, like you said, Gus Malzahn is supposed to be this offensive genius. But I haven't seen a lot from the offense of Auburn. Nothing impressive. And it, it's, I mean, I, I will say I do think it is time for Auburn fans to hit the panic button. I, I really do. I mean, oh, oh we I mean, already and, are. And I say that because, like you know, last year, you know, you had three losses, but yet in the regular season, but going into the Iron Bowl, I still knew Auburn was a good team. And I knew because, you know, we were just cluster fucked with injuries on offense and defense that, you know, there's a great chance Auburn could win. And they did. Hats off to them. Uh, But this year, the problem is even when you win, you don't look good. And it's like, it's like, Jesus. Now, I mean, here's the good news for Auburn. You Well, actually, no, it's bad news. There are no cupcakes this year. We've learned this. Hell, even Ole Miss has shown they can turn it on when they want to, which, by the way, that's who Auburn's got this week. We don't stand a bloody chance. Look, I'm going to tell you this, though. I'm going to make this prediction. I think Gus has one more loss before Alabama, and he's gone. We lose this next game. Gus is getting bought out. He's getting bought out, and he I mean, will be gone. I mean, any loss. I don't get. It doesn't have to be the Ole Miss. It could be A and M, LSU. Uh, who else has Auburn not played yet? Mississippi State. Any of them. If Gus loses a game 
before he gets to Tuscaloosa, then he's gone. He, he's fucking gone. He's toast. And, you know, and I'm going to say he, this, too, and I'm knocking on wood. I feel confident saying this. I don't think you have to worry about Gus beating Alabama to save his job. I don't think you have to worry about that this year. I knock on wood. Because I don't see it happening for Auburn. Only we don't we don't stand a chance. The reason like being, you're coming to Bryant Denny. You know, if, if this was in Jordan Hare, where Auburn gets those miracle plays, and even when Auburn's a a below average team and Bama's number two, it's still a close game. Because it's something about Jordan Hare, and that's why I fucking hate that stadium. But it is what it is. It is what it is. But the miracles don't right. work in Bryant Denny. They don't work. Auburn's have Auburn's have Straight. Auburn's Straight have one win over Nick Saban and Bryant Denny since he's been there, and that was because they had a generationally, generationally great quarterback in Newton. And even and even then, look yeah. what it took to win that game. So I, I mean Yeah. Th- it was it was Malik Willis. That was the name of the quarterback that was competing for a starting job with Bo Nix. But he got I think he got red shirt and then he transferred to Liberty University where he plays under former SEC coach Hugh Freeze who is apparently in the rumor mill as the next head Auburn coach as a potential candidate if Gus gets fired. You know what I'm saying? Malik Willis is a complete dumbass. And he, I don't know. I, I don't Let know me ask the guy everybody is. this. Outside of the two good years he had where they got caught cheating, which is why they had those good years, what did he do? Old Miss sucked year in and year out under him. He had the two good years, and then they got caught cheating. And, and then, I mean, why would you want that? But you know what? I hope they get him. I'm pulling for it. <laughs> Go. Anything's than, anything is better than so Gus Malzahn right now. You would say right now that you would like it, let me ask, if you were the AD at Auburn right now, would Gus Malzahn be coaching against Ole Miss this week? How many how, – what did I say last podcast when you asked me that exact same question on one of the other podcasts? I said, you got one more chance. Doesn't matter if you beat Bama or not. You got one more chance. And we just lost to Southern Miss. So I mean, to uh, South Carolina. No. no, absolutely not. As an athletic director of Auburn, Gus Malzahn would not be coaching right now. He wouldn't. Because, I like, bro, bro, you don't understand the heat that goes behind this, that the heat that fans have taken trying to defend this man. And, okay, we had the miracle season in 2013. We had two back-to-back, two of the back-to-back most greatest plays in any college football history ever and a national championship chance. 
we didn't get it, but that that season was historical. Thank you for everyone tuning in on IG Live. It's about to go out. Appreciate it. Um, and that was it. We haven't done anything since 2010. Nothing. Okay, we have a mediocre season. We beat, I mean, we have a solid season. Beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Don't go to a national championship still. And then we lose to Minnesota in a bowl game. It's like all of that's for nothing. That win at Alabama means nothing because you just lost to the Minnesota freaking Gophers. You know? Me and my brother were like looking back in retrospect. Malik Willis was the quarterback we wish Gus would have went with, you know? Someone who's a dual threat, a Nick Marshall, Cam Newton type model where we've had continued continued sustained success. We've seen what happens when we stray away from that with guys like Jeremy and Sean White. We saw what happened with that. Didn't go so well, did it? So, I mean, but that guy's gone. He's at liberty with Hugh Freeze now. So, like, bro, <laughs> no, he would not be coaching right now. We'd be, I'd be finding a way to buy him out of that contract, give him whatever guaranteed money Auburn guaranteed this man, and move him along because this is not what we sound like. We have no national championships to show for it, and there's no reason why every year Auburn can't be in the conversation when going up against Bama – going to the SEC championship, and then having a national title shot. There's no reason why we can't. And we, we've had it. We're sick of that. So what? Auburn beats Alabama. Alabama's still going to a national title either way because that's like y'all's only loss of the season. And I'm sick of that. It's like even after we beat you guys, what like and – so what? We beat you guys. You guys are still going to a national championship. And it pisses me off. And I'm sick of like, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of Auburn just beating Alabama just to get by. Like that's the only big highlight of the season. So what? Put a national put a national championship title under Auburn's name again. And then we can start. Then we can maybe things will start getting enjoyable again. But until then, no. Beating so Alabama is not good enough. It's bro. like I said, here, here is everything anybody needs to know about Alabama and Auburn and the difference in culture. This is all you need to know. If you go into the Alabama film room, on the wall are the words built by Bama, discipline, excellence, champion. Those are the words you will find there. You go to Auburn's team room. On the back wall, in big orange letters, it doesn't say champion. It doesn't say discipline. It doesn't say excellence. You know what it says? Beat Bama. That is what it says. The entire culture of Auburn is, it, it is, Auburn exists to be a thorn in the side of Alabama. That is what they do. That is what they've always done. And as long as Gus Malzahn is there, that is what they will continue to be. An occasional thorn in the side, hand Alabama a loss every now and again. Bama fans get pissed off for a couple days because losing to Auburn sucks. I can't get on Facebook for about a week whenever Auburn beats Alabama because my inboxes are overflowed. But after that, 
I'm usually over it. You know why? Because Alabama's moved on to the next opponent whose ass we're going to kick. After 2017, we lost to Auburn. Oh, damn, this sucks. Well, then what happened? We go to the playoffs, hold the national championship trophy. And I'm thinking, what even is the Iron Bowl now? Who cares? I mean, yeah, good job, Auburn. You beat us. Hoorah. Good job. Check out this trophy. You know, that, and, and I'm not even trying to troll, but that's, I mean, I agree with you, man. The culture at Auburn has to change. Auburn has to get over Alabama. Like, that's it's that simple. Because if Auburn was over Alabama, this joker wouldn't have a $49 million contract. I mean, I don't know if Auburn fans realize this, but we celebrated when we heard the news that Gus was getting that extension. We were, I mean, there, Eric, there were literal parties in Tuscaloosa over that news. Because we knew what was coming, and here we are. Here we are. But, no, I agree. Gus has got to go. He got to go. Because it's not happening this year. Losing to South Carolina, I mean, you, you lose to Georgia. Okay, you went out. You can still get in. But that's off the table now, man. I, I hate to tell I hate to be the one to tell you because yeah. I respect you so much. But, I mean, you, you've got to hope and pray that somehow not only does Auburn win out, Alabama's got to lose two games. And, and – Right. I'm not in the business of hoping for things to happen. I need certified like proof. I'm not like I'm done with that. Where the the once in a, the chances of having the miracle in Jordan Hare and the kick six back to back again are like zero percent. I don't think we'll ever have that. Like we have to have guaranteed wins this time. You know what I'm saying? Like. It was just magic. The football gods shined down upon us. There was something stirring in the air at Jordan Hare. I don't know if it was the belief of all of us as Auburn fans that caused it. We don't know what happened. We just know that it was something like beyond us that was happening in that stadium during the kick six and during the prayer, uh, the miracle at Jordan Hare. We don't know. But I can tell you this, moving forward, we can't depend on that again. It's not going to always be like that. You're not always going to get a kick six against Alabama that goes all the way to the house to win the game. Sometimes you just have to put the nail in the coffin early. Sometimes it's going to be a blowout. Sometimes you need to win by about three or four scores, five scores, to make sure the W is guaranteed. That's just what it is. You know, you keep mentioning – And that's where we're at now. Here's something – and this is going to sound like trolling, but I swear to God it's not. This is just – Something Auburn fans have to have to accept. I keep hearing about the twenty uh, about the twenty thirteen season, as amazing as it was. But hold on a second, because that's all we got. Like that's that's the last time we played great ball. The the Frozen was the number one movie of the year when that happened. Frozen, not the second Frozen that came out last year. No, the first Frozen. Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke was the number one song in the nation. 
we're talking about shit that happened seven years ago. I don't understand why Auburn fans defended this jackass for so long. For the life of me, I don't get it. I understand you ride with your team, you love your team, but damn it, you got to call people out. Like, here's an example. I'm a Packers fan, and I spent the last three seasons before last season screaming at the top of my lungs, get Mike McCarthy's ass out of Green Bay. And Dallas fans are learning why. <laughs> the Cowboys the Cowboy right. fans are learning the Again. hard way <laughs> why Green Bay was ready for Mike to get his ass out of Green Bay. You got to call these coaches out. And, you know, it actually, you know, you're my friend, and it hurts me to see you, to, to hear you talk about football this way. And believe it or not, I don't like seeing Auburn like this. Because at the end of the day, I do want beating Auburn to mean something. I enjoy it when the Iron Bowl is two good teams. You know what I mean? It's more fun that way. Like last year, perfect setup, you know? But, dang, now I agree with you. Gus has got to go. The the clock's run out, in my opinion. Uh, I'm I'm honestly shocked that they kept him. Because here's the thing. I feel like Ole Miss is do or die. I mean, I thought South Carolina was do or die. But Gus Malzahn, once again, his coaching future at Auburn is on life support. And if if Auburn should happen to mess around and they find themselves losing to Ole Miss, I think we go ahead and say the plug's been pulled. Yeah, it's a wrap because there's not like there's there's nothing else I can say for the guy. We defended him for so long because after that 2013 season, we thought that this was a new era in Auburn football. We thought that, you know, okay, we have a chance to at least be in the conversation of the SEC champions every year. We have at least a chance to be in the conversation for national champion every year. But wasn't the case hasn't been the case since 2013 and because that like that like Alabama fans you guys have year after year after year after year of good football that you can go back and refer to whether you made it to the national championship or whether you just won the national championship Auburn doesn't have that we have 1930 whenever and then we have 2010 and then 2013. Those are the only years that we can really, truly refer to. And every other Auburn game in between where we beat Alabama. That's it. That's all we got. We got nothing else. There's none, uh, This is the reality. We got nothing else to hold on to. Except that. Because that was the last time Auburn football was Auburn football. That was it. Good football all the way through. The surprises. The comebacks. That's all we got. We don't have anything else. I'm tear. I'm almost about to tear up just thinking about it. Like that's all we got. It brings back the frustration. It felt so freaking good to walk to school the next day, knowing that we were going to the national championship and we beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl in 2013. 
cussed out, yelled at a whole bunch of other Alabama fans who just couldn't get over it and told them to freaking accept it. My future had to pull me out the hallway to calm me down because I was so passionate about it. And then now we're back to this. Now we're back to this. Mediocre football, no championship to show for it. And like, there's nothing we can do. There's just nothing. You know, and I'm like, it was the same thing in the NFL. You know, if people got sick of the pay or like they're like, oh, the Patriots, this, the Patriots, that, you know what I'm saying? But OK, the Patriots were in the Super Bowl six times in the last 10, 15 years. You know, people are like, oh, I'm sick and tired, but they were there. Same thing with Alabama. I'm like, y'all are just there. And as I'm like, dude, why can't Auburn do this? I'm like, dude, I know we can but like, yeah, it just hasn't been the case. And you know, so I hate man. <laughs> I... Like I, I feel so detached from my team. Like I'm not never jump. Like Auburn's in my blood. I'm doing that. I'll never switch on Auburn. But like, I feel like so detached from my football team right now. And, and you know what? One of the I feel worst so detached from my squad. And 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 th- this is a very sad reality, you know. Right now, um, I'm being nice and I'm trying to help you out and be positive. But um, you know, <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday watching you on Snapchat during last year's Iron Bowl, blowing up my phone. You messaged me first. And start, and started talking, and Auburn won, I and I had to take it, and you kept giving it to me. So, um, you know, Eric, you're my best friend, you're my brother, I love you, but I'm just warning you now. Yeah, I may be kicked off the of J House if Alabama wins the Iron Bowl this year. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you this right here. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna be mad. If y'all win the Iron Bowl this year, not even going to be mad. Not not even. All the trash talk and everything, like, go ahead. I'm not, I'm not even going to be upset. I'm not even going to be, like, it is what it is. Not even going to be mad. Because if the season goes the way I think it does, and then we go up there and we win against Bama, I still won't be excited. Still won't make a difference. Because there's no national championship in it. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like, either way, win or lose, if y'all win it, which judging by the looks of right now, y'all are, I'll be all right. Not even, I'm going to take all the track. Go ahead, poor. I'm not even going to trip. I'm going to let you know that now. There will be no retaliation from me after this year's Iron Bowl. There will be none. None. Even if we win, I still will not talk more. Okay. You have even if we win. Because Eric, if Auburn beats Alabama, you know good and damn well you going to be blowing up my phone again I'm not going to blow up your phone cuz what did I tell you what have I been telling you this whole time even if we beat bama it doesn't make a difference where's the national title where's the championship at it's not enough just to beat you guys anymore that's what I've been telling you this whole time it's not enough to beat y'all anymore so am I to understand if we don't go to a championship that you're not going to celebrate if Auburn wins the Iron Bowl? 
I'll be happy, but I want national championship implications to come along with that also. If there's no national championship, what like we're past that now. We're past so what? Auburn beats Alabama. Yoo-hoo! It's a rivalry. We're used to that. We're used to y'all winning a few, then us winning a few, and then that's it. Like, championship now. Where's my championship at? Like, that's all I want. That's all I want. Championships. I want rings. I want banners. I want bragging rights all year long for beating all of our teams and winning and being the best in the nation. Not bragging rights for one year just for beating one team. Simple as that. And you'll find a stable well, of other Auburn fans who feel the people. exact same way. <laughs> I'll have to find them because they're, 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 they're out there. But, like, there's a stable of people who actually respect Alabama football, who respect the players, respect the coaches, hate the bloody fans. You know what I'm saying? Hate the bloody fans. But but still, respect Alabama football because it's earned. You know? You're going to find a staple of Broncos fans, which, look, and I'm telling you this, switching over to some NFL. If Tom Brady – because the Super Bowl is going to be held at Raymond James Stadium, Right. The perfect cap to Tom Brady's career would be for him to go to the Super Bowl and be the first QB to play Super Bowl in his own team stadium and possibly win it in his own stadium. If he does that, I will go on the Denver Broncos fan page and tell all of the Denver Bronco fandom, it's about time that we put respect on this man's name, even though we hate that boy is the GOAT. And it's probably going to get me cussed out, trolled, and possibly – Kicked most definitely kicked out that group for saying that. I mean, but look, that's what I, the I truth does to people sometimes. I, if people don't know by now that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, if people haven't learned it by now, there's no hope for him. Because you know what I've noticed about Brady haters? There's always right. an out. If Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl this year, it's going to be because. Oh, look at the weapons he had. Look at how good the team was around him. Even though every quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl has had a great team around them. That's how come, like, you you look at Peyton Manning. He was, yeah, he was great, but that Bronco defense is why they won that second ring, why he won a second ring. Because that – Von Miller, you know, everybody was saying of Cam Newton, Superman, yeah. Von Miller's kryptonite. And that was obvious on the scene that day. I mean, damn. Yeah, they call that boy Doomsday. Thinking I mean, Doomsday out so here, rattled, God, he didn't really. try to pick up that fumble. He's like, nah, y'all can have that one because I don't want Von Miller to hit me again. I don't want none of that. I don't want it. But – you know, if right. people don't get it by now, and like I said, I'm a Packers fan. I don't care about Tom Brady, you know, and I'm not a huge fan of his, but damn it, I respect greatness. It's like Floyd Mayweather. You know, I get so disgusted listening to people talk about Floyd like he's not one of the all-time greats because he is. Floyd Mayweather is one of the top five probably best boxers ever. Ever. And they're like, he just right. runs from guys. No, he don't. He's just impossible to hit. He is the he is so technically sound, it's insane. 
And all the Conor McGregor lovers out there can suck my left toe because I watched Floyd Mayweather beat that man up and down the octagon three straight rounds or the boxing ring. And Manny Pacquiao's getting ready to knock Conor the fuck out. Yeah. And I can't wait. Because I'm calling that one, man. If it's a real boxing match right. and Connor says some shit to piss off Manny, oh, Manny's going to knock him the fuck out. Manny's not Floyd where he's, like, defensive. Manny likes to knock people out. So, Connor may – oh, that'd be fun to watch. God right. dang, that'd be fun to watch. If if Connor got knocked out by Manny, oh, that'd be beautiful. Oh, that'd be beautiful. It really would, man. Uh, and to close this off, uh, you know, I wanted to end like I don't know, spend like ten more minutes possibly sw- switching over to the UFC because uh, we do have yeah. some good. We we had a great talk about UFC on the J House After Dark. We were talking about uh, you know, Conor McGregor and Khabib, and 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 you're obviously a lot more optimistic about. Uh, Connor's chances in a rematch than I am. I mean, I, I essentially give Connor a puncher's chance, yeah. is about what I give him, which is about the same that I give Justin Gaethje. Yeah, uh, I love Justin Gaethje, I think he's a phenomenal fighter, and I'll be, I, I mean, I'll be lying if I said that I wasn't shockingly impressed with what that man did to Tony Ferguson. I mean, I was, I, I was ready to sit down and, and watch a great fight. Yeah. I was watching that fight at a, at a sports bar and I was watching it and I was ready to, you know, watch this fight go five rounds. Nope. I watched Justin Gaethje beat the shit out of Tony Ferguson. I was shocked. I couldn't get over what I saw. Um, but I'll say this. I, I give, definitely give Gaethje a much bigger chance to beat Khabib than I do Conor McGregor. Yeah. I, I respect those chances. It could go, it could go either way. It could go either way. Cause like the, like I said, either way, what, like, and we talked about the possible outcomes, whether it was, you know, whether Gaethje beat McGregor, whether it be Gaethje McGregor or, uh, uh, could be McGregor two, which I think it's going to be could be McGregor two. That would just be too much of a big fight to pass up on. The numbers for the fights are going to be amazing. It's going to be the biggest UFC fight in the world. Khabib and Gaethje is already going to be enough of a big fight. But if because there's already but there, because there's already there's no bad blood between Khabib and Gaethje. But if it but the bad blood that Connor and Khabib have already. You know what I'm saying? That is going to be monumental. It's going to be you monumental. Know, personally, and I can't, I, I can't wait to see how style, that plays out. I would much rather watch Connor versus Gaethje than I would Connor Khabib because Khabib is an insanely good submission specialist. Insanely good, like scary good. His takedowns are the best I've ever seen. I've never seen somebody take someone down that quick, that just the, – the execution's flawless every single time. Uh, 
And, and, and that's a bad matchup for Connor. Because Connor, when you yeah. get him on the ground, he don't know what to do. Nate Diaz exposed that, and so did Khabib. But Justin Gaethje, this is a man who every win he's ever had has been by knockout. He's never he's never gone to a decision. So I right. would love to see Gaethje fight Connor. That's what I'd like to see. Um, I don't know. Who, yeah, I don't know who I would take in that fight. Honestly, Striker, I think I would need Gaethje. Um, but I could see Connor winning that fight. But for the life of me, I just can't see Connor beating Khabib. And if I'm being completely honest, I don't know if Connor can beat Poirier. I mean, I'm picking Connor to win, but, you know, Dustin put up a hell of a fight against Khabib. You know, he, he had his moments. There was one moment where I thought he was going to choke Khabib yeah. out. He had a guillotine locked in. And I was like, oh, shit, wait a minute. But, you know, obviously Khabib got out and would, and he got uh, Dustin with that same rear naked crank that he got Connor with that makes dudes tap out instantly. Uh, so, I mean, you know, but honestly, right. I I hope Connor wins against uh, Dustin because Khabib has already said that he wants to give anybody who can beat Dustin Poirier a title shot. And if Connor McGregor beats Dustin and he's next in line, oh my God, do I ever want to see that fight? Because I will be the same thing. And I, you know, yeah. I was arguing with some, and this is how come I don't know who gets on my nerves more. Connor McGregor or his fan base? Because there's still Connor McGregor fans shit talking Khabib. And one person said that Khabib's style is not entertaining. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, first of all, it's not supposed to be entertaining. Because it's extremely entertaining if you actually know anything about mixed martial arts. Number two, he don't have to be entertaining. Right. Uh, you know, because, uh, I mean, you can ask Connor how entertaining Khabib was when he was on, when uh, Khabib was on top of him, beating the shit out of him. Telling that boy, let's talk. Let's talk now. Talk shit. Right. Like, that was beautiful. I mean... So, I mean, I tell you, UFC is a weird sport, man, because there's so many people that give an opinion on it, and it's so painful to listen because you can tell they have no idea what the hell they're talking about. All right. And, you know, as much as I love Steve, did you see the whole rivalry right. between – it was kind of a brief one, like uh, Joe Rogan and Stephen A. Smith kind of had a bit of a spat. Did you see that? Well, what all happened was it was like after no, I didn't. the uh, Conor McGregor Cowboy Cerrone fight, and uh, you know Joe Rogan. If, if anybody don't know who that is, he has a podcast. He's been a UFC commentator ever since the uh, UFC's been around, uh, and he's also, I think, he's a 
don't know if he's a black belt in jujitsu, but he's high up there. Um, but anyways, he knows UFC better than anyone. And there was a post-fight interview they all had where Stephen A is talking about just this whole, you know, Cowboys surround. It was, I forget exactly what Stephen A said, but it made no sense. And it was just this generic bullshit about Connor wanted it more than Cowboy did and a bunch of other shit. And it was just like, what are you talking about? And Joe Rogan called him out on it and said, Stephen A knows nothing about MMA. And then uh, Stephen A didn't like hearing that. It's the truth. Everyone in the YouTube comment sections notices it. They're like, why don't you bring on a real UFC analyst to talk about real UFC? I get pretty frustrated listening to Stephen A and Max Kellerman whenever they start talking about boxing because it's it's so obvious that Stephen A cannot hold a candle to Max Kellerman whenever they're talking about boxing. Like Max Max knows boxing better than anybody. But then again, it's kind of the same way with basketball. Like Max Kellerman has had some horrible uh, basketball takes. Like Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the planet. I mean, that, good God, man. (laughs) And to close this out, if I have to hear one more person say that LeBron's championship wasn't legit, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, hush. It was legit. It was. And, and bro, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to sort of, sort of divulge the conversation, but um, we have a developing story uh, going on here uh, concerning Chris Pratt that has apparently blown up the whole internet. Uh, yeah, apparently uh, this tweet by Amy Berg, some, some person on Twitter, posted a one has to go uh, uh, post on Twitter like Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pine, or Chris Evans. One has to go, and all of these people, including white liberal women that Bill Burr was hopping on last week, talking about you know Chris Pratt. So the whole internet's just like being a pretentious butthole, just coming at Chris Pratt for no reason, unless one of them, other than Chris Pratt was because he once gave away an old cat because it was too much trouble to take care of. He's definitely the one who's canceled toxic tweets. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like all over the place. Like, and I'm like, Chris Evans, Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth knowing they're superior to Chris Pratt, you know? And now apparently people are using that to, uh, people are using this trending moment to bring up old conversations about his political views because he's he follows he goes to Hillsong Church, uh, he follows Turning Point USA and Ben Shapiro, all right right side political of uh, you. Like, are you not allowed to be a celebrity and follow that? See, that just goes to show you how politically biased Hollywood is and how left they are because they don't even try to hide it anymore. And if you're like anything, even if you're independent, they're gonna like snoop down your neck you know what i'm saying and i'm like 
what like where is this at bro like where is this coming from why is the internet being so toxic and so freaking pretentious mark ruffalo and robert downey jr have come to his defense on instagram and like all these different like now like like bro like all these different headlines from everywhere like it makes no sense at all uh newsweek fact check is chris pratt a donald trump supporter uh you know why are people calling for chris pratt to be canceled like what what where is this all coming from like these people who spend all their time on the internet all day who have no freaking life like what the heck where does this even come from So, like, so come this election day, I'm not trying to hear anything about somebody's right to speech being violated when Hollywood does this, when social media does this. Not trying to hear that. I'm not. But go ahead, man. Your thoughts on this before we close out? I mean, you and I have gone on rants about stuff like this God knows how many times on this show. Um, I think people know my position, which is, I think Twitter is one of the absolute worst things, uh, to happen to this, to this country. Um, I think cancel culture is absolute cancer to society. I think it's about the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard of. Uh, and, you know, and then there's a similar story, uh, going on right now where people are trying to accuse Ice Cube, of all people, of being a Trump supporter, uh, a a white supremacist apologist, and many other things. And I'm thinking to myself, this is Ice Cube we're talking about, right? And, you know... Yes. You know... And not only the that, Ice, Ice Cube, the one who's been through more political ago, persecution than anybody. A song called, no, an, a whole album called Arrest the President. So I don't think we should be calling him a Trump supporter. I don't think that's a fair thing to say. Also, white people, who the fuck do you think you are calling this man a white supremacist apologist? Who the fuck? If anybody knows these white bro if please. anybody knows what racism really looks like in this nation it's cute talk to me it bro. ain't these goddamn white women living up in their nice little upper class suburban homes bitching on twitter ice cube is a man who got his ass kicked several times for uh, from cops when he did nothing wrong ice cube was a man who was at the front lines fighting for racial equality. He has seen things that would make all these so-called woke white people piss on themselves. He has endured more than the all the rest of them combined. So I I don't know when white people went from we're going to help to end racism to now Race, like it's all about us now. It's all about us and how good we are as white people. 
Th- th- that's what this is now. It's like, oh, look how not racist I am. Look how amazing I am. Black people, please love me. Please. And I'm thinking, do you have any shame? Do, do, do you have any common sense? Do you have any decency? Who the hell no. do you think you are talking to Ice Cube? The fuck is wrong with people? I mean, this dude. I mean, I, I'm at a lot. I, I was watching CNN, and and uh, what's his name? Cuomo was trying to accuse Ice Cube of of supporting Trump, and Cube was like, "No, all I said was is one party told me we'll look at the contract with Black America after the election. The other party told me, all right, let's see what you got. If that's the- if that's the truth, then the truth hurts, don't it? But damn. Right. I mean, the, the idea that, that Cube stopped caring about black people. Look, I guarantee you Cube cares way more about black people than any white person walking the fucking earth. I guarantee you that. Because this shit's personal with him. Cube has this shit on a level that I'll never know. I'll never understand racism the way Cube did. And neither will any of these other woke white people. They never will. This is so personal for Cube. This is so deeply rooted in his veins. Everything Cube does is for racial equality. And for anyone to question that, because he's willing to work with anyone... To get it done, I think the fact that Cube is willing to work with Trump to, you know, help out Black America, that speaks tremendous volume to the character that Cube has for this issue. Because you know, white people are like, "Oh no, we're not even going to talk to Donald Trump. Not going to talk." Right. Not even to cooperate with a white supremacist when I he's mean, condemned white supremacy multiple times. That's coming so from a black man. Morons. That they're going to lecture Ice Cube on what real racism looks like. Because, I mean, sure, Ice Cube would never know. What would Ice Cube know about racism? What the hell would Ice Cube know about police brutality? It's not like he experienced it firsthand. Oh, wait. He did. He did. White people, <laughs> these won't. Oh my God, I'm about to lose right. my mind on this one, Eric. Like, bro, I'm just like, even with Ice Cube and even with Chris Pratt now, I'm I'm just I'm just going through all these tweets, and I'm really I'm like I'm really just about to say like fuck social media, like fuck the whole thing. Tweets. Like, where was this energy at when Brie Larson was massively harassed for months just for advocating for diversity in the industry? Suddenly, Chris Pratt gets some criticism and they all come to his defense. Well, probably because people don't want diversity and like forced diversity and inclusion put down their throats. Go woke, go broke. Uh, Let's see some of these other tweets all by these these white people like these liberal like, bro. 
kind of insane how Brie Larson was dragged for months because she spoke up about racism and homophobia and inclusion, but all the F and Avengers assemble for Chris Pratt. You know, um, let's see some of this other stuff. Uh, Brie Larson was attacked for months, sent death threats by millions of men, death threats, constant harassment, sexism were thrown at her for every move she did to the point where I thought she would quit Marvel. But Mark Ruffalo speaks up when MAGA Chris Pratt gets some criticism. Like, bro, what you had? Oh, did they not have a whole like 30 seconds in the movie where all the female Avengers like gathered together? Did they not? I'm sorry for the for the forced inclusion. White Marvel men, I can excuse racism uh, to people like Anthony Mackie, Zendaya, and Don Cheadle suffered from and the sexism Brie Larson received, but I draw the line at criticizing homophobic Trumpy Chris Pratt. What? Like, what? These people are saying that just because Chris Pratt goes to church at Hillsong that he's somehow now homophobic because Hillsong disagrees with homophobia. It's Hillsong. It's a church. It's Christianity. We all disagree. Every church disagrees with homosexuality. What? Like, what? Bruh. I... This is America, bro. Is this the America we living in? Where people like to complain about their freedom being impeached on when they're doing it themselves? Did Chris Pratt say anything? Like, bro, now you're coming at Ice like Ice Cube was on the ground. Got damn near arrested, chased out of the stadiums for performing fuck the police. Like, bro, this is what happens when you have a platform where you just let teenagers and young adults who have nothing else left to do with their lives besides worry about how many fucking followers they have sit around and talk about shit that they don't fucking know. This is what the social dilemma talked about. This shit right here. Have a role to play in the fight for racial equality. You know, there is a role to play. It is good to, you know, be an ally. That's great. But at the end of the day, this is not about us. This is not our issue. This is not something that we're going to lead the charge on and then pat ourselves on the back for doing. That's not our role. You know, I mean, they've gotten to the point now where they seriously think that they care more about black people than Ice Cube. I've, I've never seen anything like it i've never seen and they just got mad at bill burr because he he called him out on it that's, that's all the man did he called him out he called and you know what it's the same right. thing dave Chappelle did on sticks and stones and they tried their damnedest to cancel dave Chappelle. they tried all the the critics gave it a zero percent they said oh no this kind of humor is not tolerated no 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 but guess what the people gave it a 97 percent on rotten tomatoes right because all dave Chappelle did was tell the truth he told some uncomfortable truths and it was revolutionary stand-up and dave Chappelle cemented his legacy as one of the all-time greats cemented kevin hart went as far as to say that Dave Chappelle has passed Richard Pryor for the greatest comedian of all time. 
And that's saying a lot. That's really saying something, man, given who Richard Pryor was and the time Hmm. that America was going through when he was doing comedy. I mean, dang. But, yeah, I I don't understand it, man. I do not understand it. I, you know, I, you know, I want to say fuck social media. I don't even know why I like, keep redownloading. Right now, like, I'm pretty sure I'm just addicted at this point. Right, like I'm, li- I'm literally about to like just delete my Instagram tonight and probably like log off Twitter for a bit because I can't, I can't deal with these people. Like every, and now it's just everything. Like we got the Snyder cut this year and we still got people on Twitter comment sections in the Snyder fandom fighting over clout and over who gets recognition and for what, like between that and between this and all this misinformation and political BS between all the ads talking about vote, vote, vote. This is the most consequential election yet. You know, make sure you go out and vote. Voter suppression, blah, 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 blah. Between that, I'm really just sick of the whole thing. Like, I'm like, bro. Like, I, I, bro. This This is unbelievable. This man, this man has spent half a decade of his life in the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers yeah, and movies, here, here's entertaining y'all. Of white, woke, Ain't even said nothing about his political view. And y'all there, doing the There was like a guy who ran for president on the Democratic ticket named Andrew Yang, and I actually really, I liked Andrew. I thought he was a cool dude. I thought he could have made a, uh, a good president. I like, but there, there was yeah. a, a member of SNL who was fought. For saying something about Asian people. He made a joke or something. I don't even remember what he actually said. Something deemed racist towards Asian people. White people tried to crucify Andrew Yang. To notice, to note, Andrew Yang is Asian. Full-blooded Asian. Andrew Yang said, like, yeah, it was offensive, but firing him was kind of harsh. And they're going after Andrew Yang. Like, what do you mean he shouldn't have been fired? Do you not care about Asian people? Right. Back thinking, uh, yeah, I kind of care about Asian people because, uh, you know, in case um, <clears throat> I am one. So, but no, but no, you know, we, we now care about racism. And, I am. You know, we, we care <laughs> like... more about police brutality than apparently so that's uh that's, that's what it is you know we get to lecture people on uh what racism looks like you know it's right. uh I, I don't know I, I don't know what it is that that how we got to this point uh of, of just being self-righteous it's it's hard to watch it's not even funny anymore um i mean and, and you know you and I have gone and on and on and on uh, so. about this topic before, you know, and my views haven't changed on it. I think, you know, cancel culture and all this other shit's ridiculous. Uh, I think this country would be a much better place if cancel culture didn't exist. I mean, right.
It really would, because like you're you're canceling people for past mistakes they may have made. You're canceling people because they believe in something that you don't. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to ruin people's whole career and livelihood by digging up dirt on things that they did in the past or post. You know, so what? Somebody listens to right-wing political news just because all of Hollywood is trying to ride Joe Biden's left nut doesn't mean that everybody's going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's possible to be in Hollywood and still be a Christian, to have different political views than everybody else. Well, like, that's for because, people who talk and, about and so much diversity and inclusion, they sure as hell seem to forget when that. When they say diversity, all they're talking about is skin color, because they damn sure don't mean intellectual diversity. That They damn sure don't mean we want more people with difference of opinion. That's what we want. No. No. And, and the irony is I keep hearing them call Trump a fascist, which, you know, I'm not going to make a, a statement on this show about how I feel about Trump. I'm going to keep that to myself. Um, I mean, I'll talk to you about it on the, you know, when we message each other back and forth, but just for this show, I'm not going to, you know, make a political endorsement. Um, but the irony is, you know, fascism boils down to authoritarianism and shutting down, you know, the beliefs of others so that yours reigns supreme. Yeah. And that really sounds a lot more like cancel culture than anything else. Right. So to me, that's just, Textbook irony. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what else to say on this. Truth be told, other than yeah, it really what is. I've said a thousand times. It, you know, is is sad. Um, I hope this just blows over and we don't lose Chris Pratt. You know, doing movies. Um. And, you know, to, to close the show, I want to get your opinion on one last thing. Take up about five minutes, because this was kind of a big story, too. I don't know if you um, are familiar with the Netflix cartoon Big Mouth. Yeah. Yeah. You, you watch it? Yeah. Uh, that, me, yeah, personally, nasty, I love the show. I think it's hilarious. Show, I think yeah. it's brilliant. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I've heard of it before. I've seen it once or twice. Made national news, and this and season four has been delayed because of this. There's a character on the show named Missy, and Missy is a she's a black character. Um, but after season three, after three whole seasons of the show having the same cast, a white woke liberal complained because the voice actor of Missy is a Jewish white woman. So what happened? Big Mouth immediately, after one person complained, fired the voice actor of Missy, and they're bringing on, I don't even know who the new voice is, um, but it's, it's delayed everything. Um, so, I mean, real quick, what's your reaction to that? 
and then Big Mouth released that's a exactly statement what it is. that I thought that's, the, the that's cancel culture. That's cancellation really, right there. Well, uh, let me pull this up on my computer. I can get it real quick because I read this statement and it, it, it just, in all fairness, I it, it kind of made me lose respect for Nick Kroll, the creator of the show, because he's kind of struck me as the kind of guy um, who's like, you know, he wants to push the boundaries um, but he kind of I don't know, he kind of just he kind of backpedal on this one uh, but here's the statement um, oh and this is not from Nick Crawl. my bad, this is from this is hilarious Eric the lady that played uh, Missy, she apologized for taking the role. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here's what Nick Kroll said. Uh, we made a mistake, took our Jesus privilege Christ. for granted, and we are working hard to do better moving forward. We are proud of the representation that Missy has offered cerebral, sensitive women of color. And we plan to continue that representation and further grow Missy's character as we recast a black actor to play her. Uh, this is what Jenny Slate said. Um, and please, we're going to end the show by getting your reaction to this. This is what Jenny Slate, the actor, said. At the, at the start of the show, I reasoned with myself that it was permissible for me to play Missy because her mom is Jewish yeah. and white, as am I. But Missy is also black, and black characters on an animated show should be played by black actors. I acknowledge how my original reasoning was flawed, that it, this is where it gets good, that it existed as an example of white privilege and unjust allowances made within a system of social white supremacy, and that in me playing Missy, I was engaging in an act of erasure of black people. Lady, you took a role. You didn't kill anybody. I mean, good God, you would have thought wow. she just shot and killed a black person reading that. And, and here's my final thought on this, and this is what it pisses right. me off so it's much. It's not black it's people. It's the same reason why Stephen I mean, A. Well, saying what he not did even, about Steve ahead. Nash pissed me off. It's this. There are real examples of racism in this nation. There are serious issues that need to be dealt with, and they need to be dealt with now. We are facing problems in this country, racial, pro real racial problems. And when shit like this happens, when white people are fired for playing black characters in animated shows, or whenever Steve Nash gets a job and it's called white privilege, that completely takes the, the fact that that becomes news takes away from the message of Black Lives Matter. It dilutes it so much. And people are like, oh, they just whine about everything. They don't even know what their message is. They just want to complain because of stories like this. I pass it to you. Right.
Right. No, and you're right. No one, and the hypocrisy is real. No one complains about British actors coming over and playing American characters. Nobody complains about Henry Cavill playing Superman. Nobody complains about Tom Holland playing Spider-Man. Nobody complained about Andrew Garfield playing Spider-Man. Nobody complains about Seth MacFarlane voicing the many voices that he voices of all colors, races, and different people on Family Guy or American Dad. Nobody complains when a female voices a male character in an animated series or what have you. Nobody complains when a male voices a female voice in in a category. But this, like, and I don't even watch Big Mouth that much. I don't really care for the show. But either way, like, this isn't like blackface. Blackface is something totally different. You know, you're a white person putting on black makeup, trying to pretend to be able. Yeah, that. okay, that's one thing. But this is animation we're talking about here. Your voice, you can have a voice and, you know, and look like someone else and still sound like someone else. A lot of people, which looking back at it, I don't know if it was racist or not. A lot of people looked at me. I'm black, but they thought I was a white guy just because of the way I talked, just because of my voice, because I was proper, you know which in their minds made them assume that, oh, all black people must sound ghetto. Must All black people must sound like they come from the streets. But I don't. I'm a suburban kid. So that was their mistake in assuming that. And this is the same mistake people are making today. Like, okay, so what? The black girl on the show is portrayed by someone who is Jewish. Like, not even thoroughbred white privilege. Like, what is this? And in order to save her career, you best believe she's going to issue an apology because she doesn't want to be canceled. You know what I'm saying? She doesn't want to be canceled. And that's and that's just what it is. So, I mean, I'm, I'm done with it at this point. I don't know what to say to these people, man. Too much is going on. Social media is causing this big political divide. You know, all these morons on the internet, just like canceling people for no reason okay like so what and it's whenever stuff like, like this i don't somehow know i don't know when it got this bad <laughs> like i really don't like know like what happened to george i don't Floyd know or brianna taylor like i care like that's a serious problem that like what happened to george floyd was disgusting and heartbreaking and right. to to even try and equate a man who is handcuffed on the ground having a foot or having a knee in the back of his neck for eight minutes to even try and say that that is somehow tied to a a white lady playing a black character on an animated show to even try to make that connection is incredibly disingenuous. It's incredibly disrespectful to the memory of George and it's Ambriana. It's disgusting and White people ought to be ashamed of themselves for that. They ought to be fucking ashamed. Yeah. And that's all I got to say. I'm done. I'm done. They really ought to. I'm just... Yeah. I'm done with it, bro. I don't even know what I got to do to process. I'm probably about to just, like, log out of Twitter, log out of Instagram, and I'm like, leave me alone. You'll catch me on Vero... But leave me alone, like, because I'm not about to deal with these people. 
because this is all like meaningless political bickering between these morons on Twitter. You know, I'm I'm just done with it. I'm done. <laughs> Don't like, bro. Somebody has a different opinion than you, and they're just evil. Like, oh my god. <laughs> but oh well, bro. Thank you guys for tuning in. Follow us here on Instagram. Well, not on Instagram at Vero True Social at J House Comics. Um, we'll catch you guys later. Thank you, my boy Evan, for being on as always. Um, I'll get this podcast edited and out to you guys tonight. Got nothing but love for all you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of J House Radio.